Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, March the 17th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year A, the fourth Sunday in Lent, and on the Friday of the week we'll have to take a look at the gospel passage which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the Gospel of John, but just a little bit further in the story, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging him, seen him begging, asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that, it, that, he, that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who, was been blind, who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man, who had, What have you to say about him? It was, um, it was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say that was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. The second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are the fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Then they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who will see become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you, were bo- if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of God for us. All right, so since the reading was a bit long today, let me try to keep the explanation as crisp as possible. Uh, John chapter 9 appears to be what Bible scholars call a chiasm. That's what um, my first Bible teacher told us. He tried to outline it. And a chiasm is something where a story begins and it ends at the same spot or the same idea is like repeated from the beginning to the end. And then it folds in on itself. And a chiasm could be in two different forms. It could be like an X shape. That's where the chiasm comes from, from the Greek letter key, which is like an X, right? Um, or it can open up like a diamond. So the story can either start constricted and get wider, or it can start wider and like come to a, a pinnacle point where a crisp truth is conveyed. And so this look, this thing looks like it opens up like a diamond, okay? So the very in the beginning of the story, you've got a, a discussion happening, some open-ended questions about who is blind and why are they blind, right? So at the very beginning of the story, there's a man born blind, and so the disciples are asking, well, who sinned? And Jesus tries to set them straight. And then Jesus heals him. And then there's all this uh, interrogation going on, which would have been common, I think, in uh, Palestine. Uh, they would have wanted to know precisely what happened in order to make heads or tails of something. Particularly since Jesus does something on the Sabbath, there was a, a, a case opened against him, right? Uh, and so at the very end of the story, uh, the man who was formerly born blind is... Uh, healed and the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus about who is blind because Jesus gives them a veiled accusation of being blind. It seems to come to the middle. It folds in on itself in verses 24 through 28, where Jesus is not in the picture, but the Pharisees, this council, this you know committee that's been formed, is interrogating this man. And it seems to come to this one spot. And it's a beautiful scripture. And it's verse 25, where the man replies, Whether he, Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And so there's this great pastoral proclamation that um, we as disciples um, are metaphorically blind. And um, we don't know the heads and tails of it. All that we know is that when we've had an encounter with Jesus, we can know that our life used to be like this, but now our eyes have been opened. And don't we say that like that? Isn't that like a way to describe uh, a great epiphany in our life or a great turning point in our life is that we were kind of walking with blinders on or we're in the dark about something and then something is unveiled. And because of that, uh, we live by a greater truth 
and we have a greater confidence um, going forward because of this event, right? So this seems to be not just a story about a man born blind and Jesus doing this sign, but it seems to also have this, this pretext, this subtext of all of us walk in darkness and all of us need to have somebody open up our eyes and all of us might even face scrutiny from family like this veiled scrutiny from this like this man's parents right or direct scrutiny from those who would rather us not make these significant changes in our life because ultimately it means that they must deal with some stuff themselves and so i just think this is great as we think about all that we've covered the ground that we've covered so far in uh, this week we've had this this great opportunity to have like our eyes open that seems to be uh, the picture in Ephesians chapter 5 about the light that's dawning upon us and Jesus himself calls it himself the light as light to work is is in the world around them right in Psalm 23 we've got the shepherd who leads us through the valley of darkness into a more well-lit place and then in 1 Samuel 16 this idea of God not, doesn't just look at the appearance of somebody, but he looks at the heart. Like he has a greater revelation uh, to focus on than just the things that we claim to see right in front of us. And this is just a, a, a fixture of the Christian life. Christianity is primarily a religion of redemption. We go from lost to found, um, from being dead into sin to alive in Christ, right? But on the fringes, as we journey the religious life, we also have epiphanies. We have aha moments. Our eyes are opened and we experience revelation. Revelation is not the center of Christianity. Uh, we're not like these who were like, you know, first, second, third century Gnostics who claimed to have the secret knowledge from God that other people didn't have. And we see this uh, take new forms in like conspiracy theory movements in our day and time. People who claim to know secret uh, encoded messages about life and politics and religion and so forth. At the end of the day, Christianity is a religion where we, we confess that we're sinners, not that we're enlightened. And then only as we claim to be sinners and to come and kneel before a merciful God, there we find the revelation. And so I think that is the pattern. We humble ourselves and then we see. And so as we journey through Lent, here we are at the end of week four, we get closer and closer to cross and resurrection. It's a time for us to kneel once more, to humble ourselves, to say, God, I need your help. And then to have our eyes open there to see what he would like to show us next. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you still heal hearts and open up eyes. And we thank you that we have come to meet Christ and we resonate with this man born blind. We were metaphorically spiritually blind and all that we know, we, don't, we can't put it all together. We can't draw it on scratch paper, but all we know deep within us, we know for sure is that we were blind, but now we see again. And so we thank you that you've opened up our eyes, that you've included us into your family. And we thank you that we have a life ahead of us uh, to change our minds, to receive new information and to choose to be different. And so God, this day, we all declare that we're on the Lenten journey towards more wholeness as we get closer and closer to the cross. We confess to you that we have need to humble ourselves so that we can be lifted up and so that we can see more clearly. And so God, this day, whatever the wound is, whatever the, the hole is, whatever the darkness in our life, God, I pray that as we humble ourselves, that you would heal it and that you would open up our eyes so that we can see more clearly. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.